Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to Legally Sound Smart Business. My name is Nasser Pasha, where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. Welcome to our midnight episode. <laughs> now, Matt Stav, that was an old school introduction by you. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've, I'm going back in time with how late we're recording this. Yeah. I'm actually half asleep right now. <laughs> Which half? Well, my legs are in my bed and pajamas right now, and I'm just uh, yawning like crazy. That would be pretty sad if you're actually recording a podcast like that. <laughs> Practically, I I went home, had dinner, changed, and then came back to the office in shorts and a t-shirt. So, well, that's what I do for you guys, just to produce quality episodes. Yeah. And today, we're talking about telecommuting, telecommuting, what am I talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I'm so off. I'm sorry. said it twice, telecommuting. Yeah, telecommuting. Yeah, exactly. There is a trend, and it, let's face it, we, this has been going on for a while, of moving your workforce to a telecommuting workforce or select employees that may request it in doing so, and the legal implications of that and so forth. Yeah, I mean, it's you did mention it's a trend. I, I, I saw some numbers somewhere which dated a couple years back, just obviously, you know, the increase. But obviously, when technology gets better and people have different tastes of things, I mean, it just it's bound to happen. And I'm sure it's like all things employers, just it's something they need to get used to. And once they get used to it, then yeah, I mean, it's if it makes sense for the employees they're asking to uh, telecommute, then great. Yeah. Or it could be great. I mean, th- th- from the employer perspective, they might think, oh, this is great. I free up more space in the office. It's one less thing I have to worry about. But it actually could be quite the opposite. And it could <laughs> could actually end up being more work for the employer having an employee work from home. Oh yeah, no doubt. And obviously the reason there is a trend is because of technology. I mean, that's the driving force behind it. And, and sometimes, like you said, it, it can be an advantage, but I think a lot of times employers forget that these telecommuters are still employees. So the rules of, of creating a safe work environment and issues with you know, meal periods, breaks, overtime still apply. But, you know, speaking of technology, and this kind of relates to what we're talking about, you know, what is actually telecommuting? Because usually we think telecommuting is from working from home, but I went to Bank of America today. And so I walk in, I'm trying to find, you know, where the actual tellers are and I can't find it. There's a kiosk in the center of the room and it's this woman and she's like welcoming and I'm like trying to figure out where to go. And and I mean, this isn't a normal Bank of America, is it? And she's like, no, it's not. And she kind of directs me to this you know, big computer system that's waist high. And I look down and it's a screen with someone staring at me with this Bank of America background logo. And apparently it's a, it's a real person. And, and she's probably, she's basically telecommuting from wherever she's filming from and, and has a camera on me and is basically performing as a bank teller. It was a very surreal, weird experience. I wanted to wanted to bring my wife just to come and, you know, look at this. <laughs> this is an amazing uh, branch of Baker America. I thought it was. I thought it was neat. I don't know. Knowing your wife, I'm sure she would have a blast <laughs> getting dragged to a bank to check out a person on video. But I literally got on my phone. I didn't do it, and she probably is glad I did. I got on my phone to like text her about it, but uh, don't text and drive. So. You didn't mention that the Bank of America was on space or somewhere in the future, I guess. I was sleeping. It was like an hour ago that I thought I was there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, but but the point is, is that like things like that, you know, whether you're telecommuting because it could be, you know, for example, call centers now do that. 
And, but a lot of times, what about the issue of a lot of people that telecommute, the employers try to classify them as independent contractors because, well, in theory, we've talked about in the past, you know, it's all about control. And in theory, if, if they're working from home, how much control really do you have over the individual? But that's a pretty slippery slope of an argument because just because they work from home doesn't mean also they're an independent contractor. Oh, not at all. And I'm, I, if anything, we've seen, I think you might agree with me, we've seen so much push towards classification of independent contractors of these different agencies that yeah. that's not even going to be close to enough to, to classify them. For that, just that isolated thing of them not working in the office isn't going to be enough to have them be a contractor. Because if you're, if the employer's letting somebody work from home, saying they're a contractor, assumingly, and just telling them what to do, when to do it, how to do it. I mean, it's that's control. And so it's, it doesn't matter yeah. if, and I mean, you know, if you think about it, they're saying work from home too. So maybe they give them the option, maybe they don't. But if they're telling them to work from home, then it completely defeats the argument of, of no control. But if it is in fact an independent contractor, it makes things easy. But if it's an employee, like I mentioned at the beginning, it could be more difficult. I mean, to me, the most difficult aspect of it would have to be just if it's someone that qualifies for overtime, I mean, just being able to to monitor them and make sure that they're not working past the normal hours they're supposed to work and get overtime. And I mean, in, in addition to that, other things like meal and break periods, things like that. But I mean, just the sheer monitoring of them has to be probably the most difficult piece to me. Oh, and speaking of monitoring, I mean, what about like confidential information? You know, for example, I don't know. I mean, you have friends, family that come over to your home and have access to your computer or even papers on your desk and so forth. So that's an issue. There's also an issue. I mean, these are kind of few and far between, but since it's technically your work environment, the law pretty much goes to the goes towards the fact that the employer may have some responsibility in making sure that well th- this is what's been argued and and there's been kind of split kind of discussions about this but there was this case and it's cited quite often i think it was in Oregon or or some sort where this person went out to the garage and she somehow got injured or tripped over something or whatever and she argued unsuccessfully at first she argued that because she was required by her employer to work out of her home hazards within her home automatically became a work environment hazard. And so therefore the employer had an obligation to, you know, fix this. So the point of the story, I mean, I think that's a little far-fetched of an argument, but, you know, the appellate court actually kind of remanded back to the, to, it was a workers' compensation board claim in Oregon. I'm not sure where it come out to it, but the point is, is that when you do move to telecommuting, you you get into these weird legal issues that you wouldn't necessarily have to deal with, but making sure that you're still treating them within the confines of an employee-employer relationship as you would if they were in your office is sometimes hard to do. Yeah, I mean, you're right. There definitely can be a workers' comp claim if somebody slips and falls in their, their home. I mean, it's definitely possible. Yeah. It's definitely something an employer has to consider. And you mentioned confidentiality. Now I'll take it as you know stuff on the desk things like that. I'll take it a step further. I'm gonna wager that. Well, how much? Hundred bucks. <laughs> I was gonna say two hundred. I was gonna say I would think that the security, online security in place at an office is gonna be better than a home online security. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I mean it, it also depends upon a, a target. I mean it's, it's a home 
being more or less of a target for that type of material or not, I don't know. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, the technology protection, but also, I mean, a lot of people are on Wi-Fi networks, right, at, at home that yeah. may be less secure than, but nowadays it seems like almost all the Wi-Fis are, are secure. I mean, I think people have gotten wise to that kind of concept, but if you're still using a low security measure, then it's pretty easily hacked. So kind of depends. Yeah. And, you know, another thing too, that I just thought about is it's a fine line because let's say you have an employee that requests to to telecommute and you allow it. I mean, what's going to happen? Other employees are going to want the same thing. And then you're getting into issues of discrimination. Yeah. You know, you're giving different treatment. You're treating this person differently than these people. This is discriminatory. And so you're (laughs) kind of stuck in a difficult place and there's obviously benefits to it, but it, it seems like it's a lot of hassles that, first of all, that you, you're going to have to worry about anyways. But second of all, you are no, you don't even get to physically see. And that's to me, that's a, a difficult aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, there are about 75 fully virtual workplaces in the U.S. today. And I don't know what kind of companies they entail, but because I'm kind of just glancing through here, but there's different companies, a lot of them tech-based that kind of have embraced this. And and if your workforce from, you know, I'm talking about workforce, if you have like 100 or more employees, which is not uncommon for many of these telecommuters. In fact, I think they did a study, uh, you know, the average age of telecommuters in are a 49-year-old college graduate who earns about 58000 a year. So, I mean, these are bona fide employees and bona fide jobs. These aren't these, these work from home, get rich quick schemes with more than 100 em- employees. And when you have that many, you know, people working from home, think about just frankly the cost savings from a real estate perspective of not having to either own or lease space for them to work in. They already cram workers in space and cubicles already, so that cost alone must be amazing. So yeah, I mean, obviously, real commercial real estate's expensive. You know, leasing office space is expensive. You know, I guess on the flip side, one thing to consider is most likely someone working from home is probably not going to give you, you know, if two people turn in eight hours of work, one from an office, one from the home, I'm guessing the one at the office is going to be more work if I had to guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you're the same way. I mean, you and I both kind of for many years worked outside and inside offices. And I would say this, I mean, you'd probably agree with this. If you have a separate workspace at home, then you can be just as efficient. But if you have workspaces on the couch in front of the TV or whatever, it's not going to be too efficient that way. Yeah, I mean, the last two spots I've lived at have had individual rooms that are that are offices exclusively used for office space in case the the IRS is listening. <laughs> That's the requirement for a home office deduction. And it is true. That, I mean, I'm not even fabricating that. It's it's a true statement. So it's true, and it's true. So that's good. Yeah, not fabricated and true. <laughs> I definitely I carved out a hundred square foot piece of property for it for that some people don't know it doesn't have to be a closed off room yeah there are situations where you can have a piece of something you know piece of that your residence be considered a home office so oh i i definitely cut it off i it was actually a, a square piece of carpet that i just cut you know just <laughs> stand on yeah just to stand on so that's what i did no one else has to do that but yeah that's just my <laughs> preference substantial write-off that's going to get you so okay well that's our that's our story on uh, telecommuting i think i think we'll probably revisit this issue because every once in a while you'll see companies moving their workforce to telecommuting but i i feel like we're going to get more and more laws but i want to focus more on 
classification issues when when this comes up again next because I think that's going to be the the big topic there because people are going to try to or I, they already are they're going to continue to try to classify their their telecommuting workforce as independent contractors and they're going to lose on that issue for sure and then one other thing I wanted to mention is if you do have an employee handbook this should be addressed in the employee handbook yeah telecommuting policy and keep in mind like there's I mean, at the same time, like when you have telecommuters, the whole concept is to not micromanage them, right? So how much can you dictate exactly how they work? But there are certain things that you would want to put in there. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, keep it sound and keep it sound and smart. Uh, oh, wait. oh, oh, sorry. Can't take my line. I'm oh, sorry. Keep it sound and keep it smart. <laughs> this has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.